This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. First impressions are important, gentlemen. And I'd say the Cardinals' first impression, very, very good. The preseason opener last Friday night against the Dallas Cowboys. First things first, it was a win, 19-16. But the results don't matter. It's what happened between the lines for those 60 minutes on Friday night. Offense, defense, and special teams. And yes, that is where we're going to begin this week's Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Kyle Vandenbosch going to kind of take this at least off the top as far as dividing that game into offense and defense and uh with apologies to uh mike jarecki because uh well you didn't play either offense or defense we're going to lean a little bit more on kyle over here because as the man said he is a three-time pro bowler uh so between the three of us we have three pro bowl appearances in our nfl <laughs> career so uh i'm very excited about that but kyle uh looking back at friday's game defensively What stood out to you seeing the starters for a limited amount of time and then some of those key backups? Yeah, what stood out to me was uh, I thought our coverage was good. Some of the younger players, um, specifically Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan, um, did a good job in man coverage. Looked like they can hold their own out there. Um, Up front, you know, we were – we had guys that we had just signed – um, guys that hadn't been with the team for long for a good portion of the game. Um, you know, I would like to see them generate more pressure up front, um, but they did control the line of scrimmage, did a good job against the run game. Um, so, you know, there's some good things to take away. Um, you know, specifically, um, you wanted to see your draft picks and your rookies play well, and I think they did in the game. When you look at Collins, everyone's going to talk about that second play of the game, but you also told me a little bit, uh, earlier today that Jordan Hicks made a similar play obviously not the first round pick like Collins yeah um, I, I was impressed with Zayvon Collins I think he passed his first test I think he showed um, what we all expected he's instinctive um, he is physical I mean when he gets in on the tackle he's he's bringing some weight behind that tackle um, he's fast he's smart and he looked like he had a good control of the defense um, but, yeah, I thought, um, you know, I, we had talked about this before. Um, there's a place for Jordan Hicks on this defense, and it's not on the bench. He will, you know, he's he's shown over his career that um, he, he can help this team, and, and not just from a playmaking standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they use uh, those three inside linebackers. Going into this game, MJ, I think all eyes were on Zayvon Collins. I mean, we talked about it during the days leading up to that preseason opener. You always focus on your first-round draft pick, and, yeah, it's an inside linebacker. They don't get a lot of attention, but this is a different situation. This is an inside linebacker who's going to be the quarterback of the defense. He's the one that's directing 
for everyone else on that field, all 10 other guys as far as where they're at. So from that standpoint, and he spoke about it on Friday as well, as far as things went smoothly, at least from our vantage point, and then you brought up the play, second play of the ball game, Tony Pollard hit for a two-yard loss, and it was good to see Collins show that athleticism and then the knowledge of what he's been asked to do all seem to come to fruition on that particular play. I, you know, as Kyle pointed out, I mean, he's physical, he's fast, um, you know, that he's able to uh, read his keys, and it's all important with the eyes. And, you know, it's, it's, you didn't have Buda Baker out there, you didn't have Chandler Jones, you didn't have JJ Watt, where, you know, clearly, you know, Chandler and, you know, Marcus Golden had been in the system. So, you know, they're playing a bunch of guys that just got here. And, and again, uh, I thought they did a decent job against the rush, uh, against the Cowboys. But, yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for. And there's going to be growing pains. Uh, but once they get some of these other players back in the week one, that's how we're going to see this defense explode from a standpoint of just the personnel that they've added in the offseason. Collins was on the field for 23 snaps plus one on special teams after the ball game. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury specifically about Collins being that starting Mike linebacker. It's a work in progress, there's no doubt, but he's, uh, once again, he's a guy who works at it. You know, he's asking for extra meeting time with Coach Davis, Coach Joseph, pre-med major there at Tulsa, so he, he has the IQ to get it done, and um, he's been been grinding on it for the last three months, and we'll have our ups and downs there. That's a tough position to play, but uh, we like where it's heading. Yeah, and one thing I really liked, once he came out of the game, he had the earpiece in, and he sat ne- or stood next to Billy Davis the entire game. And so now he, you know, I believe Evan Weaver was making the calls um, at that point, but he's now seeing how the defense is supposed to line up. Clearly different players, they may not be here in a few weeks, but I, I like the fact that not only a student of the game, but he also wants to see what the defense looks like when he's not out there. No J.J. Watt, no Rashard Lawrence, Jordan Phillips, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, all sitting for one reason or another, Kyle. And then when those players are back, then I think as far as calling the defense will become a little bit easier. But Collins does have to be the main voice, the singular voice at least for a particular play. And if there's something that needs to be corrected, that's got to happen on the sideline. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, again, I, I think maybe the most impressive thing was his poise. At no point did the game look like it was too big for him. He looked like he's ready for this stage. Um, you know, looking at that play specifically, everybody wants to focus on the one play and, you know, let's – all plug the preseason disclaimer like you know he's going against guys that might not be on the other team he's playing with guys that might not be on the team down the road but it was an inside zone play right and the way that starts is you start by doubling your bigs and then you come off on the linebacker he hit it so fast uh came downhill so fast that you can see what this is going to do for the defensive line as well not just him specifically teams will know look we cannot hold these double teams we have to climb to the linebackers much quicker we have to come off and so that gives the guys up front an opportunity to make more plays and be more disruptive disruptive as well if you have linebackers that are just sitting there and they pause and they wait to hit it then an offense has an opportunity because they can move the bigs off the line of scrimmage and they can climb to the linebackers but he will take that double team off of his defensive lineman real quick if he's flowing downhill that fast. Now, Collins's fellow draft defensive teammates brought up Marco Wilson, four tackles, two passes defense. Victor DiMukeji recovered a fumble, and Tay Gowan, who spent a lot of time in the second half, held him, held 
his own account because he was targeted, I think, five different times, but uh, performed very, very well. Now we need to see it for a second time, and that second time comes up this Friday against the Kansas City Chiefs. More on that in a moment. All right, let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. And where do you go, MJ, when you look at the offense production? Again, Kyler Murray did not play, sat this one out. He got a good week of practice, so they didn't want to risk anything on Friday night against the Cowboys. But offensively, what stood out to you? Rondell Moore and the way Kingsbury used him. I mean, he, he lined up in the slot the majority of the snaps, and he was also involved in some some jet sweeps or, you know, possibly a quick throw. And then Eno Benjamin. I mean, I think we've all been waiting for this, but Rondell Moore and Eno Benjamin, um, you know, Eno's, uh, you know, fighting for a roster spot. At this point, you think he's one of the top four with Jonathan Ward and Connor and, and Edmonds. But I, I, I think Eno Benjamin – looks the part, and there's a reason why the Cardinals drafted him in the seventh round last year. Eno Benjamin had 50 rushing yards and a touchdown. He also returned three kicks for a combined 84 yards. But Rondell Moore, Kyle, five touches, 39 total yards. He had two carries, three catches. We saw a Jeff sweep. We saw a little flip from Colt McCoy, kind of a misdirection, if you will. A lot of different ways you can use that Cardinals second-round draft pick out of Purdue that I think has people excited about what's to come once the regular season hits. Yeah, I think everybody should be excited about, you know, just the small dose we saw of him. He appears to be like the Swiss Army knife. Like, you can really do just about anything with him. You can hand the ball off to him, and he can get the corner. Um, You can throw a, a bubble screen, and he can take it for a big gain. Um, I think specifically with this offense and the direction this offense will go this season is you have two down-the-field threats with your number one and your number two receivers. So it looks like we may have found our guy to find those zones underneath to uh, the the guy that when they're covered down the field, you throw him a three-yard pass and he's going to get you 12 yards. And um, it's exciting to see. I, you know, I'm surprised that they showed that much with him. Um, you know, it would be nice to – kind of have him be a surprise and teams have to adjust to him and at halftime early in the season but um you know he he looks like he he has the ability to do just about anything that they ask of him in this offense yeah that offense specifically that second drive of the ball game was anything but vanilla and the man directing that offense and that drive he was on the field for three series colt mccoy getting the start his numbers mj six of seven 69 yards but it's how he handled himself remember this is a brand new offense for him he's still learning that part but i thought he acquitted himself very well for his first time out yeah i know that you know we don't really focus on the backup quarterback but i think we've been very consistent throughout the offseason this is a home run to bring in a guy that's not looking over the shoulder of kyla murray uh, they have a great relationship, and Murray's now, you know, teaching him the offense. And so, you, you know, hopefully, you know, Murray can stay healthy for all 17 games. But Colt McQuay, um, the offense really doesn't change. He may go under center a little bit more, um, but for the most part, I mean, he's steady. And, and the fact is, uh, you know, you're comfortable with that position where last year with Chris Trevler in week 17, you're thinking they got to upgrade that position. So in a perfect world, he doesn't see the field. But in the preseason, you know, he's got to, you know, show his upside, and I think he, he passed the eye test. Let's hear from the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, on how he thought Colt McCoy did against the Cowboys. Yeah, I thought he did a nice job handling the system. First time ever really playing in a game situation in our offense, and operationally was was really smooth, made good decisions, and so I thought under duress at times he handled himself well. 
And then listening to McCoy postgame, Kyle, was what happened once McCoy was off the field and standing a lot with Kyle or Murray as far as discussing, all right, what, what do we do here? What would you do? This is what I thought I saw. And I think that more than anything, the relationship between Kyle Murray and Colt McCoy off the field is going to be huge, a benefit that I don't think Kyler has had in his first two seasons in the NFL, and that's nothing against Brett Hundley, but you're talking about someone who's got experience, and a lot of it, and then certainly a capable, a more than capable college quarterback back in the day at Texas. Yeah, he's seen everything, and he, he it's that extra set of eyes for Kyler when he comes to the sideline during the game. Um, he's, you know, what I saw from him in the game uh, when he was on the field was poise and leadership. And on top of that, he showed real good accuracy. I mean, he threw threw a dime to Christian Kirk on the sidelines, and it was a great pass. <clears throat> and in the face of pressure a couple of times, he had guys in his face, and he was able to, excuse me, he was able to step up and deliver. And another guy, when he got to the sidelines, he was wearing the earpiece, standing right next to, you know, Cam Turner or Kingsbury, obviously, you know, not getting in the way. But, again, he's still learning the offense, and Straveler's been in the offense for his second year. So he did have the earpiece, too, and I'd like to see Kyler possibly do that if he's not going to play in these preseason games. Colt McCoy, again, three series, 6-7, 69 yards. Chris Straveler, seven series, 12 of 24, 107 yards, and then 10 carries for 55 yards. And, of course, he was on the field directing that four-minute offense for a game-time field goal and then a two-minute offense to get Matt Prater in position to kick the game-winning field goal, a 47-yarder as time expired. Prater, four of four on field goal attempts. So when Kyle uh, showed up today, and you know, I was trying to get his thoughts on the game, and he, uh, he has notes and all that. And one of the first things he said, if Matt Prater was here last year, the Cardinals were in the postseason. Yeah, I would echo that as well. When we come back, we'll hear and speak with Eno Benjamin, the Cardinals running back, right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Eno Benjamin takes a line drive kick three yards deep in his own end zone. Out across the numbers at 10 to 20. He's got a lane at the 30 and then tackled at the 33-yard line. Eno Benjamin, nice vision and a burst. Eno Benjamin, the run up the middle. He's got room across the 40 to the 50. He's to the near sideline at the 40. Trying to turn on the Jets at the 30 inside the 25. And Eno Benjamin. How about that for the former ASU running back? First and goal from the six to give his Dino Benjamin off the left side. He's got plenty of room to run, and he vaults into the end zone untouched. Cardinals touchdown as they cap the drive after the takeaway by the defense. Eno Benjamin cashes it in for six. Just some of the big-time plays Eno Benjamin made on Friday nights against the Dallas Cowboys. 134 total yards, whether it was rushing the football or returning kicks. And, of course, that six-yard touchdown run that made it 10-3 in the second quarter. Eno, appreciate you joining us here on the Red Sea Reports. And uh, let's just start there with the touchdown run. Everyone talked about the length and certainly what you were able to do, but the vision that you had certainly on the touchdown and then your big carry of 38 yards. Walk us through those two plays. Really, it starts with the offensive line first um, and kind of just knowing their schemes and how they're blocking it um, and kind of having an idea of where the ball is going before the ball is even snapped. Um, And so the offensive line, they did a really good job as far as making their calls. Um, um, They made it easy for me to read, and from there it's just um, instinctual after that. 
you've been a huge bright spot during training camp and of course locally here having played at Arizona State everyone wanted to talk to you after that ball game I'm going to try to take a different angle to what happened on Friday night did you have family and friends in attendance at State Farm Stadium watching you perform uh yeah I had my um first cousins um who actually live out here um who came to the game um I think she brought her kids and her husband as well so um they had the opportunity um and the, uh, the chance to see me play you know, when I look at, you know, the way you looked in the off-season workouts leading over to OTAs and, and the mandatory minicamp, uh, two C words come to me. You look confident and comfortable. Talk about how comfortable you are now being in the system your second year. Really just having a better understanding of, of what's going on and uh, not only that, what's expected. Um, and so um, I've had uh, conversations with Kime and Kime says he believes in me. And so from there, um, it's just kind of letting the game come to me um, and doing um, whatever I'm asked to do to the best of my ability. As you know, last year, you know, we would get a question every single week. When's, you know, Benjamin going to be active? And I'm sure your family was asking you the same question. They said, well, he's got to play on special teams. You are playing on special teams. So talk about that role. As you know, being a backup, that is very important to be active on game day. Uh, yes, sir. That is um, what brings you up as a backup um, is playing on special teams. Um, it was unfortunate last year. Um, I didn't get that opportunity um, as far as making that happen. But uh, I think this offseason was just um, a way for me to get um, mentally ready to come back um, and take on that challenge. Um, I went to Arizona State um, and with being there, I wasn't asked to do much of special teams. It was more just running the ball. So kind of just took a whole year to kind of learn um, um, what's expected on those phases and get it done. And two guys you mentioned who obviously have been really good special teams player, Trent Sherfield and Dennis Gardeck. What kind of pointers or advice have they given you? Well, really, um, just learning from Trent um, visually. Um, I was uh, behind him in a lot of the stuff um, as far as uh, practice. And so just kind of just seeing the way he worked, seeing the way he handled himself in and outside of the building as well um, uh, is one of those things. Um, and then Gardeck um, has just been giving me pointers um, at uh, on punt return, um, stuff that I should be looking for and stuff that I could do to uh, gain an advantage on uh, my, my uh, gain an advantage on the opposition. You had three long kickoff returns, 35, 24, and 25. Other special teams roles. What else does Jeff Rogers have you as far as return units or coverage units? Uh, he has me as um, a kickoff coverage guy. I'm an L2 on there. Um, I'm a gunner on punt as well as uh, punt return and kickoff return. How is the gunner position? Because I can get very physical, sometimes maybe one on two, and you're the one trying to go against two guys. Yeah, um, well, so then with that, you've got uh, Chuck Washington who, who's there. He's a, a veteran guy who's done it uh, quite a bit. So um, after practice, I stay with him um, some days, and we just get extra work. Um, like you said, um, two versus one, that, that is a, a disadvantage. Um, so you've got to win and be able to make plays. You know, last year when you were inactive and you were in sweats, what, what was it like? I mean, were you, you were watching everything, just hoping for that opportunity? I mean, how difficult was it knowing that you weren't going to be able to play on a Sunday or a Monday night football? Um, it was really difficult, um, but the way that I went into it in practice or the next week after the game was any day might be my chance. So um, continue to get better and continue to be ready. Um, and so um, I remember just being on the sidelines and Sachs telling me to remember that feeling. Um, so I was kind of just taking it all in and knowing what I was going to get myself into next year. Um, and so I'd be ready and more prepared. Speaking of running backs coach James Saxon, he's he's really likes this room. Maybe the top four and yourself and, and Jonathan Ward and, and Chase Edmonds and John, uh, James Conner. So talk about the chemistry you guys have because it seems like they're all rooting for each other. 
Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we are all just doing what we're, we're asked to do and how it shakes out and how it plays out is going to play out. Um, Jonathan Ward's actually one of my, my best friends on the team. Uh, we talk uh, all the time and we hang out quite a bit. And so um, it's just like I said, just trying to compete um, against each other um, and hoping for the best um, that comes within that. You know, that's interesting. You've got in that running back room a lot of competition and there's a lot of people believe that you know three running backs maybe potentially four running backs kept but then to hear you say you and Jonathan Ward are good friends best friends and perhaps maybe you're coming down to the front office looking at between one of you guys making this roster is that something talked about or is that just something that you guys can't really pay much attention to um, I feel like it's something that we don't pay attention to um, because at the end of the day, it's out of our control. Um, and so there's no need to speak or worry about things like that. You know, you, you tapped out of the uh, the bowl game for right reasons. And I want to say you went to the senior bowl. How much weight did you put on going to the combine? Uh, I think it was around 12 pounds, I want to say. Um, I kind of was just taking a step back and just kind of reshaping my body. Um, I was changing the way I was eating as far as uh, meats. I was going sh- uh, straight fish and straight all, just really straight healthy food. And I, I was able to shed a lot of weight um, and then I'll put it back on uh, headed towards the combine. Now, did you meet with the Cardinals and James Sexton there? Uh, I did. I had conversations with them. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, thinking, man, I could play in the same uh, state as I played college football. What was those conversations like? Oh, uh, really? I guess just going through that process, I never really thought um, the Cardinals would be the team um, uh, that would get me, um, honestly. Eno Benjamin joining us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. Of course, we know Eno Benjamin from his time at Arizona State. November 30th, 2019, that before Friday night, your most recent time in a game, and now putting on a Cardinals uniform, as our producer Jim Mahundra pointed out during the broadcast. That time on Friday night, your first opportunity to put a Cardinals uniform on outside of media day. Did did you have a moment just to kind of soak everything in either before the game or during the game when you stepped on the field for the first time? Um, coming out for pregame um, when the returners came out, um, it was that's when I guess it was hitting me as like, okay, this is this is the time now that we're, we're waiting for, and just to have the fans back um, cheering and um, making a lot of sound, it just it brought that that great feeling back of this is real football for me. Five carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. So the mindset going in this week with the Kansas City Chiefs in town, I don't know how or how much has been discussed as far as playing time or what the uh, snap count's going to be, but uh, how do you view this game coming up on Friday? Um, I view this game as just another opportunity um, to go out there and show that I'm capable of doing whatever I'm asked on the field to the best of my ability. Can't let you get away without asking about your alma mater. How much are you paying attention to what's going on literally down the street when you guys are back in Tempe as far as what the Sun Devils and the expectations for this team coming into 2021? Um, I know that they've got, I want to say, 20 of 22 starters coming back. Um, so this is a big year, um, and there's a lot of things going on um, there that uh, that I'm trying not to focus on. Um, I know the team is not focusing um, on it as well. Um, I think their their thing is just to stay focused on the main thing, um, and which is winning the Pac-12 South and also winning the Pac-12 and um, getting to the Rose Bowl. Um, and so I believe in those guys, and I know that they can do it. Um, they've got – a good veteran-led squad, um, especially on defense coming back. And then you've got Jaden Daniels, who's a playmaker. So I am definitely looking forward to seeing um, big things from them. 
Now, when when you look at the uh, the, the program as itself, though, I mean, it, it's I guess if you look on paper and you mention all the guys coming back, I think over the next couple of years, you guys are going to have a lot more draft picks than you've had over the last couple of years. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. Um, and that's a, a testament to um, what Herm and those guys are doing in the building. Um, they're making it all uh, competitive um, and, and, and bringing in guys who are able to compete and play at the at the next level as well. Well, you know, from someone that watched you shine at Arizona State, it's uh, been a lot of fun to watch your journey now with the Arizona Cardinals and a tremendous performance last week against the Cowboys. Appreciate you joining us here for a couple of minutes, and uh, best of luck this week and the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys for having me. Cardinals running back Eno Benjamin joining us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We'll take a timeout. We are halfway through here this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We'll back after this here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First down and 10 from the 35, Gilbert under center again. And this time they'll keep it on the ground and hit in the backfield and dragged down as a Dallas running back. And there is Zavin Collins with a tackle for loss on the very first run play of his career. Oh man, that is what you are looking for, for a linebacker to flow that quickly. Two receivers to the near side. And out of the gun, three-step drop, plenty of time. Rifles went over the middle, and there's Marco Wilson in coverage with the pass breakup, step for step with the intended receiver. Very impressive showing by the young Cardinal defenders, obviously led by Zavin Collins, two tackles, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hits. He and Isaiah Simmons on the field together for three defensive series. And then it was mainly those backups and reserve players that hopefully will make a name for themselves, either with the Arizona Cardinals or showcase their talents for the other 31 teams around the National Football League. We talked, gentlemen, about Zavin Collins earlier here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Lou Mike Jarecki, and Kyle Vandenbosch. Let's focus a little bit more on Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan in that secondary, Kyle, because I think if the Cardinals want to know what they have, yeah, you want to be able to see these guys in game action and show something. You don't need to be perfect all the time, but Marco Wilson certainly did impress. And right now you look at the cornerback room, Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, Malcolm Butler, and Marco Wilson right now I think might have the leg up as far as being that number four corner. Yeah, really both of the rookies showed well, I thought. Um, You know, what you want to see is them, while it may not be what you do um, primarily during the regular season, you want to see them in one-on-one situations, see them – um, try to lock down a man on the outside and um, you know both show that ability you know specifically uh, Marco Wilson and um, you know it's it's a crowded cornerback room it's you know there's there's still a lot of gray area there um, on who's going to be filling those seats once the regular season rolls around and who's going to see the field during the regular season and um, that's primarily what preseason football has turned into it's it's filling out the back half of your roster and you know we've talked about before um, I could ask Mike Jarecki, hey, who do you think is going to make this team? And he could probably be right on 50 of them. It's just those last few spots right now that guys are trying to earn. And what separates the last few guys is how they perform when the bright lights come on, how they perform against other teams in, in that competitive environment. The thing is, I, I don't. I think the Cardinals would continue to look for another veteran corner because Darquez Denard, he hasn't been on the field. And so right now, 
um, you know, a fourth-round pick who played in the SEC. He's going to be active on game day. He's going to play on teams, and now he gives you a little luxury. And I thought he should have had an interception, and Gowden was targeted five times. And, you know, he's showing up in, in training camp, you know, getting his hands on a couple different footballs. Um, so, I mean, I think Gowan may be a practice squad guy, but who knows, that's what the preseason's for. But Marco Wilson is going to be active on game day. And he's got the size, six feet. 191 pounds. Tay Gowan, six foot one. So you got some tall corners, young tall corners for the Cardinals right now. And that cornerback's room is nine deep at the moment. We'll see how that uh, fluctuates as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Back to Marco Wilson. He was made available to the media on Sunday. And again, first real action since the end of his college career. Asked about his mentality heading into that first preseason game. The mentality was just just go out there and have fun. Honestly, that was that was my main focus, and just make sure I know what I was doing, um, playbook wise. Make sure I knew my defensive calls and I could play uh, full speed. And that's why I felt like I went out there and did that. We talk about winning your one-on-one matchups, MJ, and yeah, you play amongst a group of eleven players but in preseason there's very little game planning if any at all you're hardly and maybe you don't even watch film of the opponent but your job is to figure out who's in front of you and if I'm an offensive player I need to beat you if I'm a defensive player I need to stop you and I think for the most part those young players and Marco Wilson particularly did just that yeah and and there's times when maybe Malcolm Butler wasn't practicing Uh, you know Robert Alford's been there out there every day and Byron Murphy and they do have drills where you're going up against A.J. Green and and DeAndre Hopkins and speaking of that both Tate Gowan and Marco Wilson mentioned that before the game DeAndre Hopkins went over there and he he, you know even though Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup didn't get a lot of run but C.D. Lamb and he kind of he gave him a scouting report on what to look for covering these receivers and here hops in street clothes and put his arm around these guys and say, just go out there and play free. Don't think, don't overthink it. So that's good for Hop to have that knowledge to say, I'm going to help these young guys because at the end of the day, Hopkins wants to win. Both of those young corners did mention how much faster the game is. Kyle and Tay Gowan even joked, yeah, they're a little bit bigger as well. But for Marco Wilson coming out of the SEC, there is there is certainly a jump from the SEC to the NFL, but it's not as big as jump as, well, some other conferences, some other smaller schools, and you're facing top wide receivers every single Saturday. Now it's every single day, whether it's practice or on Sundays. Yeah, it's not, you know, every once in a while you're going up against um, potentially a first-round draft pick or, or an elite receiver, like you said, it's it's every week. But he has had that exposure. He has gone up against um, some elite wide receivers before, and and it shows and, and it helps. I mean, the, there's no mystery why, you know, scouts like kids from these big colleges that have played against good competition because they're ready. It doesn't take time to develop. If you take a guy that has all the measurables, um, looks good on tape, but he went to a small school, there's still that big question mark about, you know, well, how is he going to do against elite competition? And it takes some time to figure out, and sometimes you miss on those type of players. But when you have the film and you can see how they did when they lined up against some elite receivers in college, then then you feel a little more comfortable with that draft pick. Yeah, and he was covering guys like Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase, and, and those guys are first-round picks, and, you know, I, eventually they'll be number one wide receivers, and I'm sure those teams are, are drafting them for that. So, yeah, I just, again, as you mentioned with Collins, didn't seem like it was too big for them. Now, I'm sure the Butterflies' first game, just the Cowboys, you know, um, but – 
the fact that he played in that big conference, I think that's going to help the process to where he's going to go through some growing pains. And once he's on the field, he's going to get targeted. But, you know, mental mistakes, if he can cut those down and just play free, he's got an opportunity to play on special teams. And we'll see what kind of where he is in the depth chart. Right now he's fourth. Marco Wilson, 35 defensive snaps, seven on special teams. Let's get his thoughts on how he performed against the Cowboys. I felt pretty good about it. Uh, definitely some things I could clean up about my game, but overall went out there and felt confident. Um, just had fun, so it was it was cool to go out there and get my feet wet for the first time in the NFL. You look at his teammate, Tay Gowan, was on the field for 34 defensive snaps, seven on special teams. And, MJ, those two, Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan, are going to be connected at the hip. Not only great friends, but same draft class and certainly same position. But you hope that the Cardinals, you know, when you're a day three pick, some question whether you can make it in this league. But right now I'm impressed, especially with Marco Wilson, his ability to not only play on special teams, but, certainly get some reps and some game action on Sundays as a cornerback. Yeah, I was talking to Kyle earlier, and he, he thought Gowan showed up. I mean, he, he was targeted five times, and you're going to build confidence there. Now the question becomes, how many corners do you keep? And I still think they're going to look at the waiver wire to bring in a veteran guy. It could be for insurance, could put him on the practice squad. How many safeties do you keep? But right now I think it's safe to say who we know the two, top four corners are. The other young defender, and we brought him up in our first segment here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, but Victor Dimukeji recovered a fumble, the outside linebacker out of Duke. He obviously wears a good number, number 92, Bertram Berry's old number, and someone I think, Kyle, might have a option or the ability maybe even make this team as well when you look at the outside linebacker position with Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Kylie Fitz, and then, you know, Dennis Gardeck right now is on PUP. They might look for a young player, especially if he can show something here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. He just needs to show the playmaking ability. I mean, physically, he looks the part, right? He's he's strong. He's stout. Um, he's going to hold up against the run. Uh, but in this defense, you need to be able to get after the quarterback and put the quarterback on the ground. Um, so I think that's something you need to look for. For, for him going forward, especially these last two preseason games, is just his playmaking ability, um, his ability to get the quarterback off the spot and put him under pressure. You look at his measurable 6'2", 262, and there's a lot of guys in that room that he can lean on. How much do you think he's picking the brain of a Chandler, a Marcus, um, and even some of the defensive linemen as well, especially trying to get after the quarterback? Yeah, it's a big deal. And, you know, I know it's it's a really a point of emphasis for this team. They brought in a pass rush special to help um, some of the players here in training camp. And, um, you know, in college, I'm sure he was probably the strongest guy on the field and could bull rush and, and dominate a lot of offensive tackles. But it's not like that in the NFL. And you have to learn and you have to perfect and you, you have to really study offensive linemen and offensive tackles. And, you know, that's all a part of being a rookie, especially a rookie defensive end or outside linebacker, is learning how to study film, learning how to set up pass rushes. So when something's not working in the first quarter, you come with something else in the second quarter. And, and you know, just the mental part of it, it's a, it's a big part of being a pass rusher. You know, two of the seventh round pick, you mentioned uh, Dean McKagee, but James Wiggins, 29 snaps, about 40%, 14 snaps on special teams. He had two special teams tackles, and I think he's competing with Sean Williams, who obviously came over from Cincinnati, more of a special teams player. But, you know, again, you don't see seventh-round picks guaranteed, but I think he's in the mix. Again, how many safeties do you keep? i, th- I got to think the top four there are Buda, uh, Thompson Twins, and then Chris Banjo. 
Speaking of Buda Baker, this week's special guest on the Dave Pash podcast, episode two, available now. Follow along via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Kyle Vandenbash. When we come back, we'll preview preseason game number two, the Kansas City Chiefs at State Farm Stadium. That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First down and 10 at the Dallas 28. Edmonds in motion. Now here he comes on an end around. Rondale Moore as he comes across the 20 with a head of steam making men miss. And you're reminded of that comment by Drew Grigson, the director of player personnel, where he said this kid doesn't just move, he teleports. And for a good couple of strides there, you saw the explosiveness. You did, and you see a fearlessness too. That's the thing that I was looking for. You see him hit that gear, and he's not worried about getting hit or where he's going to make his next cut. He is going 100 miles an hour trying to get this ball in the end zone. Well, there was a wide receiver screen. There was a jet sweep. There was a fake to Chase Edmonds, a little underneath toss to Rondell Moore. The Cardinals use the Cardinals or the second-year wide receiver out of Purdue in a number of different ways in the preseason opener on Friday. That was the voice of Paul Calvisi and Drew Stanton talking about Rondell Moore and that 1916 win last Friday. This week, the Kansas City Chiefs are in town, 5 p.m. on national television. ESPN will have it, and of course, pregame coverage begins at 1.30 on the Arizona Cardinals radio network as we kind of turn our attention to that game. Obviously, Kyle will see more of Rondell Moore, maybe not as exotic as we did against the Cowboys because now it's on film. And I know you expressed some surprise earlier in the show that they showed as much as they did. And now the question becomes, what is the next step for Rondell Moore in preseason game number two? Well, I think your next step is uh, showing his ability to get open down the field, um, not just uh, you know motioning into the backfield or these um, you know bubble screens or check down passes. Um, you know he's he's a burner and he has the ability to separate deep. And so you know I, I'm hoping to see a little bit of that this game from him, just to show um, that he really can do everything that your offense asks of him. On the other side of the coin, though, do you think Kingsbury is just trying to stuff to see what works? Yeah, well, that's, you know, preseason is for everybody, right? And you're trying to see what your players can do and what they can, um, what plays they can execute, what routes they run best, how your quarterback um, goes through his progressions. I mean, um, so a- as a coach, you know, you're, you're X and out plays saying, okay, we can't run this or we can't put this guy in this spot or we need to put somebody else here. So I think it's a little experimentation for everybody. Now, according to Kingsbury, I think he said it twice that normally Andy Reid will play his starters. All four quarterbacks played in the first preseason game. Mahomes only played four snaps. Two were handoffs to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And then Chad Henney came in and he uh, he had an interception. So um, I don't know how much they're – first string offense is going to play but matchup wise they do have some weapons I don't know how much time Travis Kelsey is going to get Tyreek Hill and they got some new players there that they drafted so but according to Cliff he said it twice now that they usually play a little bit more than other teams in the preseason yeah we'll see exactly as far as availability and of course snap counts but I would expect Rondell Moore to be on that field on Friday night post game last Friday after beating the Cowboys Rondell Moore joined Paul Calvisi and Drew Stanton I think my confidence always remains the same, um, regardless of the situation or what's happened in the past or 
um, what will happen or whatever it doesn't change for me. I come in with the same mindset and, you know, just work my tail off during the week and do everything I can to be prepared. You really got to love this kid's attitude, MJ. It's just, it's, it's very businesslike, yet he's not walking in as if he knows everything. He's always searching out coaches. He's always wanting to do extra work to improve himself. Well, and not a lot of cliches. I mean, he's, he means business, and he works hard. Like I was telling you, you know, after we did the early bird special um he was out there stretching and he's obviously had some hamstring injury in the past and he was catching the ball so yeah sky's the limit for him but i I like his attitude and when they drafted him they kind of referred to him as steve smith senior and i was talking to jimmy omohundra before the show and he kind of has some of the bolden in him now clearly anquan didn't have a great 40 time but just the toughness willing to you know take the tackles and take on the opponent so um, you know, so far he's passed the eye test. He's a rookie, so there's going to be some uh, games where maybe, you know, teams are going to try to bracket him, but you can't do that with Hopkins and Hill. Or, I'm sorry, um, A.J. Green. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. And I don't think we're going to see him in the preseason returning kicks and punts. I think it's a great opportunity for guys like Eno Benjamin to get their feet wet there because you don't want to show that. And I think he, uh, we'll see if he becomes both the punt and kick returner. Listed at five foot seven, 181 pounds, but as DeAndre Hopkins said earlier in training camp, plays like he's 6'2", talking about Rondell Moore. Also, let's hear from Rondell Moore on what he wants to work on now coming up in this second preseason game. The plan stays the same for me, man. Just stay in my playbook, uh, continue to recognize coverages as fast as I can, uh, see my triangle when I line up, um, understand the meaning of the play where the ball is trying to go, my job on the play, and uh, just continue to work hard and uh, build chemistry with these guys here. Offensively on Friday, Kyle, not exactly sure how much, if at all, we'll see of Kyler Murray. We do know defensively that Chandler Jones will not play. That's according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Jones not spotted during the open portion of practice on Tuesday. Neither was Marcus Golden, but not dealing with anything very serious and likely a game day decision on whether Marcus Golden plays. But for you, preseason game number two against a very quality opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs, whether that's offense, defense, or special teams, what do you you hoping the Cardinals get out of Friday? Yeah, selfishly, um, a lot of people have the Chiefs penciled in in the Super Bowl already, and rightfully so. I mean, they've got weapons, they've got talent. Um, I would like to see some of our stars out there. I would like to see us match touchdown for touchdown. Um, it's a nationally televised game. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to showcase what we have, um, the players we've assembled, the weapons um, that we can trot out onto the field every week. Um, And, you know, as good as it was to know that it looks like we found our kicker, four field goals is too many. We've got to be able to get touchdowns and get six points on the board for us to be the type of team we want to be. Um, And uh, the other side of it, the, the thing I'm looking for, um, is just an improvement on the offensive line. Um, our starters played, um, you know, mostly starters played last week, um, did okay, uh, struggled in pass protection, whether it be starters or backups in the game. Um, and so in the trenches, I'd like to see our offensive line um, pass protect better, and I'd like to see our defensive line get more pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, a couple penalties from uh, Hudson and then D.J. Humphreys. And I think, you know, Kelvin Beach would be the first to admit he didn't play well, and he took he had a picture yesterday back to the lab, so I, he could see that he needs to pick it up a little bit. From Kyler Murray's standpoint, would you like to see him play a series or two? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and, again, it's it's – 
it's to kind of, you know, we have this opportunity with a nationally televised game um, here in Arizona to showcase what we have. And there's no better weapon that we have on the entire team than Kyler Murray. And so I would like to see it selfishly. I understand the philosophy of um, the risk-reward, and you're always trying to balance that. Um, but at some point, it's football. And, you know, you can call plays. Um, I told a story about when we played the Packers one year, they were only going to play one series. Aaron Rodgers came out and threw an 80-yard pass, first play of the game, and he was done. <laughs> Um, but it's something to get the fans excited about, right? And just, you know, if you want to go out there and have them throw three bombs and punt, um, you know, let's do it. Let's just let it fly and just, you know, do do what you got to do if you want to try to keep him safe. Um, don't have him scrambling for first downs or any of that. But it would be nice to see him out there, especially with the audience that will be watching this game. And working behind a new offensive line, new specifically with respects to the center position. And, yeah, you get your practice here at State Farm Stadium during the week, but under the bright lights, TV cameras, fans in attendance, it's a game atmosphere. That relationship between Kyler Murray and Rodney Hudson, I would think, would want to see some kind of reps. Yeah, and we've talked about it before. You know, perhaps one of the most valuable additions, if not the most valuable, is the upgrade at center. And it's nice to see them work well at practice, but it'd be great to see how it goes in a real game when live bullets are flying. Um, get those two some work five o'clock is the kickoff here at state farm stadium 1 30 p.m pregame coverage begins on the arizona cardinals radio network and then of course we'll discuss it next tuesday here on the cardinals red sea report mark it down every tuesday year round 11 a.m it is the cardinals red sea report special thanks to those behind the scenes senior broadcast manager and producer jim omohundro technical director jeff darge for Mike Jarecki, Kyle Vandenbosch, I'm Craig Riolu. Again, it is preseason. The results don't matter, but what happens during those 60 minutes certainly do matter a ton, especially for a lot of those players on the bubble hoping to make the 53-man roster. Again, we'll talk about preseason game number two next week right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.